This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world, Peak Too Early. I am one of your hosts, Steve Jenner. And I'm joined by Mike Jenner, who is somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing? Steve, I'm good, but I am a little surprised. I got to be honest with you. I uh, Since we last talked to Trent at his house a week ago, I haven't heard a peep from him. He went kind of zero dark 30. You know, he went MIA. And then all of a sudden, I log on to do a podcast, which I thought was just going to be with you. And who pops up but Trent? So welcome to the show, Trent. Hey, everybody. It's good to be here. Trent, who is not at the house of sav he's on vacation once again in <laughs> saudi arabia is that who you are I'm, I'm sorry to disappoint you steve but i am not on vacation this week i huh. uh believe it or not saudi arabia is not my number one choice for my next vacation would be although it is wonderful here i am you know on the red sea looking out seeing the beautiful water i do need to apologize in about 25 minutes we may hear like a, a prayer call that wakes everybody up and, and tells everybody it's time to go pray. So if that happens, we'll just have to play with the sound a little bit to make sure it doesn't mess up the episode. But uh, yeah, it's been it's we, been good. We, so I'm just ready to, to, to record some pod, though. We could just yeah. join in, Trent. We could just have a little quick P2 early prayer time. I don't know if uh, we want to go there, but um, we can um, we can enjoy the wonderful, wonderful music. <laughs> so we're not kidding. Trent is actually in Saudi Arabia. What's it like there? Um, well, what is, time is it there right now? Let's just start with that. So it's it's 5:20 a.m. It's an eight-hour time zone difference. Good morning. Um, I'm here at the best time. So this is like middle winter-ish, where it's super super cold. So it's about 80 degrees every day, and the sun is always out. Um, but that's way better in the summer, where it'd be you know 120 degrees. It's funny, I I was like packing up for Saudi Arabia, and it was like, what do I need for Saudi? I don't know. I don't really know what's going to be like there. But the number one thing I, I don't forget is like my work stuff and my microphone. It's like, okay, I'm ready to go to Saudi Arabia if I have my, my peak tour of the equipment. Have you uh, have you gone any runs yet? No, I mean, I still haven't run since uh, December. And it stinks. I, I actually might try to get at least one in before I go and just see how my – my body holds up, but there's a beautiful running path. Like, so we're staying right on the Red Sea, um, and there's a path that you could just, you could just run. It's crazy. I was telling Mike, the Saudis just don't sleep. They stay up all night. So you can look out the window at 3 a.m. and it's just super crowded. People are bumping. People are riding their bikes and like rollerblading. Uh, I mean, there's no like bars and stuff for people to go to. So everyone's just outside hanging out. So. Um, I'll try and get a run at the end of the week and, and report back on the running scene here. Definitely. Definitely. Well, uh, like we talked a little bit last week, Trent is going to board. At the end of this week, he's going to board a red-eye flight straight to Atlanta. He's going to get off the plane in Atlanta. And the P2E boys are going to be down in Georgia for the trials. We're going to be tearing it up at the Hawks game on Friday night. We're going to be tearing it up on the course on Saturday morning. I can't wait. Yeah, I was thinking about it today, and it's like, I can barely focus at work right now. I, I'm ready to get to Atlanta. I'm ready to start doing our thing. 
I think the thing I'm most excited about is, you know, there'll be a ton of media there, like a bunch of running media, I guess. But, you know, some of these people have media credentials. Obviously, we're not going to have that at this point. And they have connections to the athletes and all that good stuff. It's like we're going out in as these scrappy underdogs, and I don't really know what to expect. And I feel like with the, the P2E listeners, the – you know, the crew, the fans that are listening right now, it's like they're taking this journey with us because who knows what's going to come of this. Maybe all of our content will just be like our journey and a bunch of like fans rowdy watching the marathon. And if that's all it is, then that's great. But who knows? Maybe the underdog story, we get some awesome content with some athletes. It, the the possibilities are endless, and I just can't wait to find out what comes of it. Makes me think of the part in my take or Barstool even as a whole, when they go to the Super Bowl and they've had their credentials pulled from them, but they still just <laughs> pump out amazing content, some of the best content in Super Bowl week. That's us, boys. We are we are not going to be held back by a lack of you know media credentials. And and we have no plan going into this. It's just like we're bringing our equipment to Atlanta and we're just going to figure it out along the way. I can't wait because you know what? Like if we had media credentials, like I feel like we would have fall. We would have. I mean, we we're always going to do things differently. But I think to a certain degree, we we would have kind of fallen in line with what everybody else is doing. Mm-hmm. But we're going to be doing it differently. We're going to have a different perspective. We're bringing 27 video with us. Shout right. out Pat Florence. So we're going to have some awesome video content. We're going to be in the bars with the people on the course doing things in a way that no other media outlet is doing it down in Atlanta for the trials. I, I can't wait. I think it's going to be yeah, awesome. Exactly. It's it's going to be instead of you're absorbing this media from the, from the perspective of a media person, you're going to be absorbing the media – from the perspective of a fan, just somebody who's down there, like you said, drinking at a bar, watching the race, probably betting with people at the bar on, you know, what the first mile's going to go out in and, you know, what, you know, certain people who are going to finish in the top three and so like, that's what it's going to be. And it's going to be awesome. It's the people's podcast, the right? people's podcast. Yeah. I mean, I mean, so too often in this sport, the media coverage is, 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 you know, stuffy stuck up and they don't really know how to speak to the fans. That's not the case with this podcast. No. We know how to speak to the fans, and we're going to do it differently. So I can't wait. And just a reminder, if you are in Atlanta, we are going to the city tap house on the course. So it's on the course, so we're going to start the day there. Like I said, we'll probably get some food. They have beers for $2.62. I don't know if I said that before yet, but we're going to have a couple beers there. And every time the runners come by, we'll be able to go out. They have a patio in the front where we're going to be able to hold signs, go crazy for, for the friends of the of the program, but it's close enough to the finish line where, you know, once the race starts getting a little bit towards the, towards the end, we can hustle down the finish line and see the, see the finish. So come on out, come hang out with us at the city tap house down in Atlanta. It's going to be a great time. So guys, let's, uh, why don't we kick off the, uh, the running news. So Mike, I'm going to toss it over to you. I mean, we've talked about this a little bit in the past couple weeks, but you know, this whole business with Mo Farah, our guy Sir Mo, is uh, is starting to get a little bit more intense, and there's starting to be some more allegations thrown out. Not great heading into uh, the Olympics. Yeah, that's right. Hit me with the chameleon air for this segment. We're gonna get back into a little bit of riding dirty. A little riding dirty. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, so I was digging into all kinds of UK media bbc crap this afternoon on my lunch break half the stuff i couldn't even get because it's like 
content that's only available if you're in the UK. But I was able to scrap together and, you know, I'm not going to go too deep into this because a lot of it is not new information. You know what I mean? Like a lot of this stuff happened in 2014, 2015, but the cross, that's the word I'm looking for there. The the crux of it is, (laughs) yeah, that's right. The crux, the crux of it is that um, basically this injection the uh, L the L carotene it's a, I think, a legal I think this podcast can agree we don't care how you pronounce no L- well that's carotene <laughs> injections or whatever so don't so worry about it Mike. it's it's this injection that is legal it's legal up to a certain amount and the biggest part of this story was basically that it was leaked that you know Salazar's team was using it and specifically Mo Farah used it before the London Marathon a few years ago and it was made a big deal because a lot of Mo Farah's people kind of advised him against it and didn't feel great about him doing it where things get really weird is when the investigation started and people started asking questions Mo Farah was asked specifically if he took this injection which again the way he took it, allegedly, is legal. And he denied it, he denied it, he denied it. And then he came out of the the investigation and found out that his people had already come forth and said <laughs> that he had taken it. So he runs back out and corrects it like, oh, I forgot, I was, you know, hadn't misremembered this. So there's one lie. And then there's another whole um, part of it that I guess he had taken a picture with a... Um, a coach, I guess it was, from Spain, who got hit with all kinds of, uh, you know, uh, doping substances and and bans and stuff like that. And basically, Mo went on the defense and said, ah, I don't really know him. I was just kind of taking a, a selfie with him because, you know, we kind of run the same circles and stuff like that. And then it comes out later that he, like, basically came forward and said, yeah, I lied about that. Like, they actually know each other very well. So just very weird things. So there's a lot surrounding this, this big investigation that's put uh, forward here, and the, the UK media is kind of doing this this uh, piece-by-piece series on this investigation, and I think there's a lot to do with it. It's a lot of information that we already knew, but those are the kind of the interesting pieces that you know are catching people's attention and and drawing them back to Mo. So what do you guys think of, of this? What's going on? Okay, so first off, this type of thing should not come as any surprise to anybody. This is the kind of stuff we're talking about with the Salazar uh, Salazar allegations and and <laughs> to what he's doing. <laughs> Salazar kind of we're killing it today. Uh, it's like 5 a.m. for me, guys. Yeah, it's like 9:30 um, here. But when they did, you know, the investigation, there's not really the hard evidence of the doping that Salazar was a part of. It's all, if you read the articles, it's all about the spirit of the sport, going against mm-hmm. the spirit of the sport. And that's what we're talking about here, of pushing the line and doing these injections and spreading it out and the doctor not recording the exact you know, amount that was given. So this is the kind of story that's going to, like, continue to come out, I bet, with all the Salazar athletes. Having said that, I kind of found myself more anti-Salazar in this, and I I don't really have any strong negative feelings towards Sir Mo. I mean, Sir Mo 
trusted Salazar and the UK coach that he was also, you know, with approved this. And even though they had reservations about it, um, he approved it and was kind of like in the room while they were doing this. So everybody, you know, that is coaching Sal, I mean, Farah, and he, he's, you know, he gets the approval. He's like, I just don't want to cheat. And they promise him you're not cheating. The rules allow this. Um, and then, you know, yes, he goes back on a few things. That's a bad look for him. But at the same time, it's like his coaches, everybody he trusted, told him he's not cheating. You know, don't worry about it. He probably doesn't know exactly what's being put into his body. I mean, he's just he's giving the full uh, trust into those around him. So I kind of came out of it weirdly, like feeling bad for Sir Mo that everybody has all the scrutiny on him when he was assured he wasn't cheating. Technically, he wasn't cheating. Yet we're still all mad at him. That was kind of my reaction. If if he was so sure that he wasn't cheating, Trent, why is he lying all over the place then? I mean, I don't think he. The the lie that he made was more of a like, oh boy, I don't know what to say here. I don't want to like implicate anybody. I don't want to get in trouble. And then he immediately went back on it. It wasn't like he mm-hmm. Lance Armstronged it for years. It was <laughs> like he went and just checked with whoever his coach or whoever was in charge of it. And then they said, oh, actually, you make sure you admit to taking this. He, I, I honestly don't think it's that crazy to know, like, I don't know. I don't know exactly what they injected in my body. Like, I was just promised I wasn't cheating, so I went ahead with whatever they said. What's crazy about this is how do you go into that investigation not being on the same page about that? Like, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Like, how do you let him come out of there and just be like, oh, wait, we're, we're telling the truth about that now? Let me go correct it. Like, if you decide to take a new stance on something and just start telling the truth on it, I'd say you should probably gather your troops and make sure everyone knows what's going on. Like, how do you, how do you let that happen? So uh, it was on the podcast. I think it was like, I think it was just two episodes ago. We were talking about Mo and some of these things were starting to come out and how Russia was demanding the records. And um, we were kind of giving some, some crap to Russia to being like, you're the dirtiest country in the world. Like you should, you should be the last person asking for this. And we asked like, you know, would, anybody here be surprised if if sir mo was found guilty of of cheating and it was a resounding no so i think that there's like we like mo but there's always been there definitely has been this suspicion especially being so closely tied to alazar to salazar that's the second <laughs> time we screwed up his name on the podcast struggling <laughs> the he who must be not be named um but i think my biggest takeaway from this is it i think that the the 2020 olympics is going to be extremely important for Mo. And I don't think he needs to win. I don't think he needs to be a gold medalist. But I think he needs to be on the podium. And if not on the podium, very, very close to being on the podium to kind of solidify his legacy and, and you know, reassure everybody that, you know, he wasn't his 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 legacy isn't as dirty as everybody wants or thinks it is right now that he is just as good and he he's his legacy is it should be protected yeah so i guess my take revolves around this fact like i this l carotene stuff i i don't care like i literally don't care about this stuff there's like you said trent they're talking about like the spirit of the the sport and stuff like that it was within the rules what they were doing if they were taking at the measurements they said they were it was within the rules so it's like whatever and like salazar that's his thing he's always going to be pushing the limits you know i think a lot of people believe he was pushing over the limits and i would you know be willing to believe that obviously because he's got this suspension so i don't care about that whole thing 
what I do care about is like how can we trust Sermo at this point? You see these athletes come out all the time and they make these statements like I did not do this, I have not done that, I have not done that. Period. And like when you see someone go on national television or in front of investigators and be that stern about something, there's got to be a piece of you that's like, wow, he's really putting himself on the line. Like he must like why would he lie about that if he thought there was a chance it could come out? He was so definite in his like stance on saying I didn't take it. He's like, no, definitely not. I had never done that like type of stuff. And then minutes later to backtrack it. So it's like he obviously knew if he was that definite about it, he obviously knew what he was taking. And they had probably made an agreement like, hey, let's just not talk about this for now. Like if he didn't know what they were talking about, he would have just been like, I, I'm not sure what you're talking about. And then the whole like weird coach thing where it's like, I get what he was doing. Like he was trying to separate himself from the coach, but he very easily could have said, listen, he's a friend of mine. You know, I, I like him outside of work, but I don't associate with him and the stuff that he's been doing, blah, blah, blah. He just flat out lied and said, like, I don't really know the guy when he clearly did. Like, how can we trust Sermo at this point? And I'm not saying he's a cheater. I'm not saying, you know, he's guilty of nothing. He's literally never been popped for drugs, but it's like, how, I can't trust the guy. If he says he didn't do it, I don't know if I can believe him anymore. So I'm in a weird spot with Sermo here. And it's just like, I feel like I'm being pulled around. Problem is, is, is who can you trust? Cause we've seen over and over again in all sports, no matter how firmly somebody denies any kind of cheating, it really means nothing. And it just depends on how good your PR team is and how good you are at getting in front of a camera and holding that straight face. Um, you know, that's, that's how much we, as the fans of different sports believe it, but you know, you really, you really can't take an interview, um, as anything, you know, firm there. And having said that again, I, I think Mo definitely didn't handle this correctly and needs to be a little more honest upfront and that'll just look a lot better for him in the long run. Um, but I still just come taking away from it. It's like, man, he was put in just like a shitty situation by those around him. Yeah, and you you bring it back to a good point here, Trent. It's like, at the end of the day, this sucks for our sport because now going into the Olympics, we have this story. Like I said, it's a piece-by-piece story. They're going to keep dropping little tidbits like this, and we're going to be talking about freaking drugs for the entire 2020 Olympics. And because of the little lies and stuff like that, you're right, you can't trust anybody. So at this point, it's like, guilty until proven guilty i guess like i don't know like you can't it doesn't matter what you get tested for at this point if somebody believes that you might be dirty then the court of public opinion says you're dirty like there's no line here like at at, at this point we might as well just all be guilty trent's probably guilty you're dirty as hell i'm seeing you right now look at that dirty ass stash (laughs) i mean we're we're well past the uh the chameleon air time limit but, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, I, let, I just want to throw this out there. I don't want to go too far down this topic. But, you know, it's something I've thought about in the past. And I, I want to ask you guys, if if you had the option, if somebody came to you and you could either take injections or you had you had access to, to you know, performance-enhancing drugs and it was going to take you from somebody that wasn't relevant to the sport to somebody that was – uh, making a career in the sport, or even on Mo's level, somebody that was competitive for a medal to one of the greatest of all time, would you do that? 
I oh. it's so hard to say when you're not actually in that situation, but I can't definitively say that I wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I'm in the same boat. I would I would definitely you know, seriously consider it, what kind of health effects goes on with it, what doesn't, who else is doing it, when everybody tells you, you know, everyone else is doing it, there's no way you can get to the show without it. I don't know, maybe. It's so hard to know. And I don't think that means makes it okay, right? Like that idea. Like, and there's a lot of guys in this sport who are doing it the right way, who aren't doing it dirty. So it sucks for those guys. But who knows, man? I'm just so sick of this topic. I'm. I hope this is the last time we have to to play there. But so hey, why don't we do this? Why don't we get into a guy here that we know is doing it the right way? That's right, Dave. Is, is this a hardworking guy, hardworking marathoner, running for the Hoka NAZ team, Scott Fobble. Let's get into our interview with Olympic hopeful Scott Fobble. All right, so we are here with 209 marathoner and Olympic hopeful, Scott Fobble. Scott, welcome to Peak Too Early. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. So, Scott, we're really excited to have you on. And the timing of this interview couldn't be any better because it turns out that there was a super impressive breakthrough in the, in the you know science of distance running and endurance sports in general today. Turns out that you can fight dehydration simply by licking your lips. What do you think of this this, uh, this breakthrough by David Goggins? I think his name is David Goggins. Goggins, uh, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't think he would appreciate you messing up his name. Um, I'll tweet at him that you messed it up, and I'm sure he'll come to your house. No, I'm your very money. scared of him. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he, he you know, someone uh, tagged me in a tweet or whatever of his um, in a video where he's talking about going for a 30 mile long run and thinking he was dehydrated, but then he licked his lips and he was fine. He's good to go. So <laughs> uh, I think that's definitely something I'll be employing going forward. Uh, I think it's a wonderful little um, trick that I think, or it's a hack, if you will, um, <laughs> that I think everyone should, should uh, start using immediately. So Scott, I want to, uh, I want to come right up front early on in this interview and I want to apologize for calling you out on our interview with Scott Smith. I may or may not have said yeah, that you were that, that you were dodging our uh, our request to come on the podcast, but you you said nay to all the haters. Here you are. Uh, so I guess before I ask my question, here is your chance if you'd like to uh, air your grievances with me. Well, I guess I don't necessarily have a grievance with you per se. I mostly have a grievance. Mm as you know, with Scott Smith. So um, if he's, you know, I can't let him have any little advantage. He's on the pod. I got to be on the pod. I got to do more pods than him. I got to run more miles than him. I got to do better workouts than him. Um, just because I'm, I'm far superior. That's right. In fact, I, uh, I was watching some videos on Instagram the other day with you playing a little Papa shot basketball with him. Started up some controversy, right? The whole underhand, overhand, uh, you know, what's legal, what's not. At the end of the day, you know, Scott Smith, we love the guy. He's our guy too. But now that you're on the pod, we're loyal to you. You're a guy, and I got to say, whatever it takes to win, underhand or overhand, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, I don't think there's any shame in uh, in playing pop shot underhand. 
or um, you know, there's no rules. It's the point is to get the ball through the through the hoop. So um, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna work work hard and smart, as one might say. And uh, and if if that means I'm gonna win, I'm gonna win. I mean, as a movie guy yourself, I mean, has any you? I mean, Scott Smith must have seen Hoosiers. I mean, we all know what happens with the with the diaper shot there. I don't know. He's not very cultured, so he probably hasn't seen Hoosiers. <laughs> Hoosiers. Okay, I need to bring this interview on track here. Sorry, guys. Um, Scott, so you are you are running a pretty big race next weekend, um, and so I think people want to know what you're you're up to at this point and why you decided to take any time and you know talk to us assholes. But um, more importantly, what, what's going on right now? What where are you in your training? Um, are you like still in Northern Arizona? What's what's going on? No, we're uh, so we're 11 days out for the Olympic trials. Um, pretty much through all the big sessions, we've got one more. Uh, one more little little workout tomorrow, three by mile, uh, pretty hard to just kind of um, add a little spice, I guess, to the to the mix. But um, by and large, we're we're through the hard part. Um, and uh, we left Flagstaff on uh, Monday, uh, 13 days out, and um, we are in Orlando right now, uh, getting a little heat and humidity training, getting on East Coast time, and. Uh, you know, just preparing for the possibility that Atlanta will be hot and humid. Are you going to Disney World? Absolutely not. <laughs> no. Uh, I, you know, I mean, if I could, I wouldn't. I would only leave the house to run, and really, that's it. Um, you know, this is it's uh it's not a good time of year or time for me to uh, spend all day on my feet. Mm. Fair enough. So I kind of alluded to it earlier, but you're a fellow podcaster. You have a podcast called Showrunners. That's about yep. you, you. You sit down with a with another runner, and they, you talk about your favorite movie. You kind of go in depth on it. Um, but I wanted to ask you, what is your favorite running related movie? Favorite running related movie. I mean, there's not a ton to pick to choose from, you know. Um, I mean, you gotta say, uh, what's that? Not- uh, Brad Pitt movie across the tracks from like the early nineties. I don't know if I've seen I that. Think it's called across I... the tracks. I mean, it's got Brad Pitt. He's really, really handsome. I mean, I think I gotta say <laughs> that one. I my my go to is without limits. I, I like I like without limits. I mean, You're I think a Billy uh, Crudup guy, huh? What was that? You're a Billy Crudup guy, huh? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, and then I also gotta throw out uh, Forrest Gump. I mean, that's that's a running related movie, right? Oh, I think that's. That's running adjacent. It's like a running movie and a Vietnam movie and a historical biopic. And, you know, I don't know that you can put that in the running bag. I don't know if we get to claim that one. (laughs) So, Scott, uh, you know, this past year you ran at the Boston Marathon. The three of us are all from Boston, so we have a special place in our heart for Boston. We love when the the big names come down. That's right. It's it's the best in the country as far as we're concerned. Probably the best best in the world. world. That's right. but so you had this huge three minute PR and it kind of catapulted your career. I mean, you were on the verge of the Olympic trials and the 10K in 2016. And now you have, uh, you know, kind of catapulted yourself into this perennial, uh, you know, big name for the Olympic marathons in, in uh, Atlanta coming up here. What did the Boston Marathon do for your career as far as your confidence and just kind of the way you're approaching the trials coming up? I, mean, I don't think it changed either of those things. You know, I, I, uh, I've always been confident in myself. I've always felt like, 
you know, since I moved to the marathon in 2017, I've always felt like I was, I had a shot to make the Olympic team. Um, and yeah, I mean, it didn't obviously didn't change the training. We just got as fit as we possibly could. What I did in the past doesn't change the training we, we do in the future necessarily. Um, so I don't know. I mean, Boston was, was huge for me. It was awesome, but it was nine months ago and I'm not still like, uh, resting on my laurels by any means. Uh, the Olympic trials was a new challenge and we prepared really well for it. And, um, you know, the race isn't going to be won by resumes. It's going to, the spot, a spot on the Olympic team is going to have to be earned. So, uh, you know, what anyone has done in the past really isn't a big deal to me right now. Do you feel, though, any, like, external expectations or any pressure based on, you know, that, that explosion at Boston you had? No. I mean, I don't think so. Um, I uh, have always considered myself in the top tier of guys. So, um, other people saying that doesn't change me one way or another. Where does where does that swag come from, that cockiness? Is that something that's just ingrained in you or something you've had to work at throughout your career? Well, I mean, when you... Um, I mean, I think some of it comes from our coach, Ben Rosario. He's very confident, and it's easy to see off that. Um, but a lot of it comes from the preparation. Like, I've done the work. Uh, and I think we prepared, you know, the, no buildup is ever perfect, and this one wasn't perfect by any means, but it was really, really good. It was really solid. And uh, so if you've done the work, you kind of have to believe in yourself. You kind of have to believe in that work and believe that you'll have all the tools you need to on the day and it's a matter of uh, going out there and earning it. Well, what was your favorite? Maybe that, confidence is mis- maybe that confidence is misplaced. Like maybe there's a chance that I'll get to the line and, um, you know, I will be the fourth best person on the day and I will run as well as I possibly can. But uh, me like worrying about that now, it doesn't, doesn't help. It doesn't help me uh, try to avoid that situation. Um, but we've done everything we can. And at this point, I know I'm going to race as well as I, or as hard as I possibly can. And uh, not much else you can do about that. I know you, you said it, it was nine months ago and you kind of focused at the, you know, the, the big race at the end of this month. Um, but looking back at that, that race in Boston, do you have a, a favorite part or, a, you know, just favorite piece of the Boston Marathon that you kind of think back at as, you know, one of the really cool moments of that race? Uh, leading over the Newton Hills was pretty great. That was pretty awesome. I don't know. It's pretty unbeatable. Um, I, I don't know that many Americans have uh, been in the front pack that long. So, um, yeah, I would say say probably leading up the Newton Hills. We're we're a bunch of scrubs and and we ran through that and we're amazed at the energy that goes through it um, for the people that are, are as far back as we are. So I can't imagine you know how loud it is when you guys are up there. Are you taking the time you know kiss the college girls on the cheeks and to give high fives to people like we were? Yeah, I mean I think I definitely could have broken uh, 209 at the very least. <laughs> yeah. And- stopped so many times to high five and, and kiss college girls on the cheek. I think that was, you know, I think if I did go back, I probably won't do that. I'll probably focus a little bit more on the, uh, <laughs> the professional race, but it was fun for my first time. I can see why you guys like doing that so much. <laughs> 
So to to bring it back a little bit, Scott. So one thing I found kind of fascinating is how much the running world is intrigued by your approach of kind of sharing your training and sharing your training logs. And it seems like everyone's kind of making a big deal out of it. But you can seem like you have the attitude. It's like it doesn't change what I'm doing at that out on the roads and you know pushing myself. Can you talk a little bit about like this you know infatuation the running world has with you sharing your your logs to the world? Yeah, I think it's pretty. I think it's kind of funny. I don't really entirely understand it because um, I don't, I mean, I guess I understand it in the sense that like in a lot of ways I'm doing way more than everybody else. And so people like that, but um, this sort of like extra love I get for being, for sharing stuff and being transparent is weird to me because I don't feel like, like I'm sharing anything particularly important. Uh, Like the, I've actually made it a point, particularly since Boston when I had a lot more eyes on my, on me uh, to not share other things. Like I don't share anything about my personal relationships. I don't share things about my family. I don't really, um, I don't share my political beliefs or my religious beliefs. Like those are kind of the important things to me in life, like my relationships particularly. Um, and I've made it a point to uh, keep that private because it's, you know, it's not really anybody's, anybody's business so it's kind of funny to me that people want to give me this credit for being an open book when I actually feel like I'm um I'm pretty uh deliberate with deciding what to share damn my next question was going to be who you're voting for in the next presidential election so I'll skip that one (laughs) yeah thank you uh scott this has been a, a ton of fun uh having you on thank you for taking your time out of your you know it's we're leading up in the last couple of weeks to the olympic trials and i'm sure you're very busy just kind of focused on getting ready for this race so the fact that you came on talk to us idiots um you know means a lot we're gonna be cheering for you like crazy uh down in atlanta but we end every single interview with a quick game so mike why don't you kick off down the home stretch down the home stretch rapid fire questions about a specific topic for you we're going to stick with the movie theme so trent's going to hit you with the first question let's do it trent scott do you actually pay for any like movie subscription services or do you just borrow logins like i do um i i have my own amazon prime account and my own hulu account wow good for you i steal both the boston money came in huge yeah (laughs) what's your favorite tarantino movie uh, Inglorious Bastards. Great one. This one's pretty general. What's your favorite genre movie? Um, I would say, like, if I'm not, oh man, it's gonna sound so pretentious when I say this, but, um, like movies that are self-reflective or and or um postmodern. So movies like uh The Big Short, um Vice. Uh, m- multiple Tarantino movies are in this where I like movies that are aware that they're movies, you know? Um, yeah. And they are talking directly to you or they're doing stuff to mess with that, like having, like in um, Pulp Fiction when Uma Thurman does the, says, you're such a square, and then she makes a square with her fingers and the <laughs> lines pop up on the screen. I like movies like that, which I think you would call postmodern. You are doing a wonderful job. 
wonderful job plugging your podcast. No, you sound very smart about movies. And, and I look at my questions that I have. Um, you know, my next one is, do you ever sneak into an R-rated movie? And I just feel really dumb. So, <laughs> my, my favorite R-rated movie? No, I was going to say, did you ever sneak into an R-rated movie when you were a kid? Uh, I'm sure I did. Seems like something I would have done. <laughs> All right, two-part question for you. What If you were an actor, what type of genre would you act in? And what type of genre would Scott Smith act in? Um, well, I think Scott Smith would probably, uh, he would might be like off-Broadway. I think that's probably where he would be. He would be off-Broadway, so not quite in the movies. Like, There's only so many roles for us, us superstars. Um, I think I would want to have a career kind of like, like this is, like let's say Ryan Gosling, where you do like one for me, one for you, where you make <laughs> yeah. crazy stupid love. You know, you make remember the titans uh you make first man but then you also do stuff like drive only god forgives blue valentine place beyond the pines where it's like okay this is a movie not that many people are going to see like only half the people are going to like it but it's something i want to do um and then occasionally you you cash in you make your 20 mil love it mike hit him with the last question all right what is more reliable on rotten tomatoes is it the little popcorn emblem or the tomato emblem I don't look at any of that. I oh. just watch the movies I want to watch. Love it. Love it. Thanks for himself. <laughs> Scott, thank you so much for coming on. Um, good luck down in Atlanta. Thanks for having me, guys. So that interview with Scott Fobble was brought to you by the Irish Clover Road Race in Drakett, Massachusetts on March 8th. By the time this comes out, you will have less than two weeks to sign up. And I just picked up the shirts today. I sent a video to, to Trent and Mike. I actually put it on our Instagram story. The shirts are fire. Those shirts not, are awesome. Awesome. When I, when I say that there is ten there are 10 spots left to guarantee that you get one of those shirts, I am not kidding. There are 10 spots left. So when this comes out, when you listen to this on Wednesday morning, you better, and you haven't signed up and you plan to run the Irish Clover 5, the Irish Clover 5 miler, you better get on runthewildrover.com and sign up ASAP because the shirts are running out. But it's going to be a great time. It's going to be a great race. Like I've said on every episode, there's going to be food, beer, music, and just an all-around good time after the race. There's going to be $250 to the male and female finisher. Come out, have a couple beers with us, and, and let's uh, let's have a fun race. Steve, what are we talking here? Are we talking synthetic shirts? Are we talking cotton? What do we got here? So, you know, I could have gone a couple different ways with those, but, you know, I'm a big fan of getting shirts at a road race that I can wear when I'm not running. You mm-hmm. know, as long as it's a cool logo, which it's a very cool logo – I like to give out some nice cotton shirts. They're very similar to the stop P2E shirts. So, uh, yeah, so that's that's what you're going to get if you if you sign up and show up on race day. I get fired up when the races have the cotton shirts because that's just <laughs> a, a great look. Like you said, you can go to a bar somewhere, you know, in 10 years and show off that shirt from 2020. And they just – everybody has the synthetic shirts now, and I got too many of them, and they're only for running, and they smell real bad. The cotton shirts, though, you can just rock forever. Yeah, and they're usually like the the cheapest tech shirts in the world. Like this is a nice cotton comfortable shirt. Trent, something something tells me that you probably often roll into bars wearing ten year old shirts. <laughs> I do. 
Dude, my half of my wardrobe is from middle school. I shit you not. You my walk into the bar wearing your like little league pony shirt. I, I guarantee if I go through my suitcase right here, I have something that I've owned for at least 15, 20 <laughs> years, probably. <laughs> All right, team. Let's get into our marathon preview. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through some of the field, and we're all going to kind of talk about our locks on the men's side and the women's side, and we're going to talk about our sleepers, the people that probably aren't on your radar but have a very good chance to sneak onto that Olympic team. So do you guys mind if I kick this off, if I, if I kick us off with a lock? Let's do it. All right, so no huge surprise here, but my first lock on the men's side is going to be Galen Rupp. He has the fastest time going in. You know, I think that... There is there is a little bit of there is a little bit of hesitation to pick him because he did drop out of marathon out of the out of the Chicago marathon. Um, obviously he has you know all the stuff with Salazar, but he's got a new coach in Mike Smith. And like we talked about in previous episodes, this is Galen Rupp's opportunity to lean into the heel a little bit and shove it down everybody's throat and and kind of prove it to everybody that hey. I'm still the baddest marathoner out here, and there's nothing you can do to stop me. And, guys, if I see a little bit, if I see a little bit of cockiness, a little bit of swagger, a little bit of a heel turn from Galen Rupp, I'm, he's going to go from one of my least favorite athletes to one of my favorite athletes very quickly, and I'm excited to watch it. So I don't necessarily agree with all of that, but what I do agree with is having him as a lock. Um, now, I think there's a good chance he doesn't win on Saturday. I really believe that. I think that he could be beat, but I think if you're talking the safest bet to make the team, the safest bet for top three, I mean, Galen Rupp is in there. Even if he's still building up and getting ready for the Olympics, if he's not at his peak performance, the guy is, he's the best distance runner in America and has been for a substantial amount of time now. He's under a new coach. He's ready to go. He's got, you know, a lot of people on his bad side. He's got a lot to prove. I just think that there's no way in hell that Rupp doesn't make it to the Olympic team. I also had him as my lock. We're gonna I'm know. Putting a, I'm putting the mortgage on him to win. Yeah. I'm putting the I'm not not to make the team for him to win outright huge. Steve, I would take that bet. I, I'll take that bet right now. All right, well, let's cut this off air because I will, I will gladly put that. I will gladly, I, gladly take that bet. I got a, I got a guy in mind that I think might take him. All down. right, all right, we'll get there, we'll get there. Let, let's talk. What is the odd? Like Rupp is obviously the prohibitive favorite, but what are the odds looking like for him doing this thing? Is this a, you know, he's Tiger Woods in his heyday, a minus, you know, 150 against the field no. type of bet, or is this somebody who, you know, a, a plus. 200 a plus 150 the yeah. clear favorite but would it be that shocking if he lost because i don't think it would be i mean I don't, we haven't seen him out there with if his new coach like i said i think i agree with mike he's he's the best guy we he totally expected to qualify but um you know if you're betting the mortgage steve i still think you're getting really good odds you're not turning one house into two houses you're turning one house into yeah. like another house and a nice little like cape cod uh, resort little condo in cohasset I mean, yeah. I got him. I got him at plus 200, 250, right around there. That 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 sounds about right. There's no overwhelming favorite. You're not going to be minus money on anybody. Uh, I'd say, you know, the top three or four guys are all going to be in that plus 200 to plus like 400 range. I'd say. Yeah. All right. Who who's who's got another lock? Um, can I give you a lock on the woman's side here? 
Go for it. My lock on the woman's side is Emily Sisson. This girl is a badass. She's up-and-comer, out of Providence College, just getting into the marathon, and, like, in her first debut marathon, just set the world on fire. I think she is a lock to make the Olympic team, and I think she is a lock to win the Olympic trials. Put it down. Put your money on Emily, Emily Sisson right now. That's my pick. A lock to win? A lock to win. You heard it here first. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. A lock. I got a lock on the women's side that I'll I'll come back around to, but I want to give the floor to Trent to, to give one of his locks. Okay, so we'll do – I mean, on the guy's side, thinking of the lock, I think we can all agree, you know, we're up as a top three. Felt pretty good. Um, but I want to do a lock just for somebody to be in the pack I was doing, you know, all my previews going through it. This is a guy I think I've been on on just about every time we do a little gambling pool. Shadrach Biwat. I, I, I feel like you're he's just – I mean, that's yes, – He's just my guy. He's top five everywhere. Like every race he does, he shows up in the top five. So um, he is not – he's not going to be someone that's likely to be out front. But he's going to be in the mix. If you just want to guarantee that you get a little bit of a long underdog, but you you know you're still like feeling like you could have a chance to win money at mile 22, Shadrach's your guy. I mean, I love Shaddy. Like, he's one of my favorite runners out there, and I'm going to be cheering for him. But I have him on my underdog. Like, he was going to be one of my underdogs. Like, I don't know if I can consider him a lock. He's a like, lock he's, to like, be in the mix. I mean, I got him. I, 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 I'm handicapping him at like plus 1,200 here. Like, I don't That's know if not, he's a lock. You're gonna but go see, in. It's me, mile 22, mile 20, and you're gonna go. Oh, wow! I got a chance to get my plus 1,200 bet to cash in. It's gonna feel great. The, my only hesitation there is he runs really well in the colder weather, and there's a very good chance it's gonna be humid and sticky out there. Not gonna phase him. <laughs> all right, all right. I hope so. Like I'm a huge Shaddy fan. Like I want him to do well. You know, running out of the the Brooks uh, Hanson's distance project. I want Shaddy to do well. So you saying that he's a lock gives me some uh, some extra confidence that my boy's gonna do well out there. Trent, you got a lock on the women's side. Um, lock on the women's side. I kind of will go through the same path there. I love. I don't feel good about this woman's chance to win. But I kind of just want to make sure she's included in my preview. I know you guys would probably talk about her. But looking at Des Linden, um, we had a fun time going over her decision to run the trials or run Boston. I mean, this is her her mindset is, you know, this is maybe the last year or so um, where I'm going to be a legitimate contender to go for it. And I love where her head's at. She's not letting any of the extra crap like she's, she's run the peak too early method right now. She's going to run Boston and the trials. She's not. You know, getting too heady about her training. We know again that she's just American that knows how to freaking race, and she'll put herself in the mix. Um, so I, I got a lock for Des to be there at the end. I love that pick. You know, I, I mean, I think Desi's gonna do. I mean, she's gonna do great out there. I do think that she's a she's a lock to to make the the Olympic team. And I'll say this: I'm gonna. I get there's a couple levels to this comparison, right? So. Like you said, she's not, you know, she doesn't have that that 95 mile an hour fastball anymore, but she's she's probably the smartest racer out there. She knows what to do and she has a course that has some hills, has some, you know, there there's going to be some tough conditions out there like I just said with the humidity. She knows how to 
to to run the course, and she knows how to race better than anybody out there. She's like the Greg Maddox of the sport right now, Ooh, going down to Atlanta. You know, Greg Maddox, junk ball pitcher. He outsmarted batters. He didn't have that fastball, but he was going to beat you because he was smarter than you. So Desi Linden is the Greg Maddox of the sport right now. So to 9 out of 10 of our listeners who are – befuddled right now greg maddox was a atlanta Braves pitcher in the 90s (laughs) junk ball pitcher that's right (laughs) i think i think des is the only the the top contender that made the 2016 team so um going back to that experience she's she's been there she knows how to race this weird race where it's all about that top three that's right that's right so i'm gonna give a lock on the woman's side so i'm gonna throw out sarah hall Wife Love it. of Love Ryan it. Hall. I think that she is definitely a lock to make the women's team. So if you look at her over the past couple years, 2016, her her marathon PR was 2.30. Then she comes out in 2017, runs 2.28 at Tokyo. She runs 2.27 at Frankfurt. She comes out in two, uh, 2018 with a 2.26 at Ottawa. And in 2019, she ran her P- massive PR of a 222 in Berlin. She just gets she just keeps getting faster and faster. Um, I think she's the the one of the best coached athletes out there and she's at a point where she really knows how to race and she is primed and ready to make this Olympic team. Boys, that that makes me feel real good because my team that I picked was our three locks. I had Let's Sissy, go. Desi, Sarah Hall. That's my team right there. I love it. What could go wrong? There's no way <laughs> we could get our locks wrong. Oh, I love it. I think we missed one lock on the on the men's side though. Well, we didn't get so a lock. I I oh. mean I, I don't know if you're you know maybe maybe this is pandering, Steve, but no, I was, I mean I think we got we're, we're saving our guy for last year. I mean, I told you that I think Rupp is gonna lose. And I'm telling you right now, he's going to lose to Scott Fobble. And I know that sounds like pandering. I know it sounds like pandering. But I really mean that. This guy, I don't know, when we were interviewing him, he's got this, like, edge to him. He's got this, like, locked-in edge. People are are all up on Jared Ward. He beat Jared Ward at Boston. Like, the last time they raced, he has the upper hand. Fobble, I don't know, there's something about him. He seems like a a cold-hearted killer right now. He's ready to go. He's ready to just get to Atlanta and just start taking down people. Fobble is my guy. He's going to take down Rupp. I think it's tough to call him a lock to win. I don't know if I'd put him in the lock category, but that's just like, boom, right in my gut. That's what I'm feeling right now. Listen, Mike, if we make a bet and I lose to Scott Fobble, I will happily pay you. That would be money I would Mm -hmm. would happily pay because that means a friend of the program is going to the Olympics. All right. Now that we have the locks, we want to kind of go through maybe some potential underdogs some stories where runners might come out of nowhere, upset the field, kind of do much better than than people are predicting. So why don't we kind of go around and, and kind of list off some of the the underdog performances we might see on Saturday? Who wants to okay. kick us off? I, I, please let me go first, because if go somebody if somebody steals this name from me, I'm gonna be pissed. I <laughs> and I know this name is not gonna be you know out of left field because we've heard his name before. But I truly believe, like in my, like I said, in my gut, the same feeling I had for Fable winning it. I feel that the 45-year-old Bernard Lagat yeah. is gonna make this team. I just, <laughs> I got it on my notes right there. Right I don't there. even, 
see, I don't even like. I kind of feel bad calling him an underdog because I think he's gonna be in the mix. I think he's gonna make the team. Like I, I truly feel that way. This guy is. I know he's 45. I know he's like you know a mid distance runner, but he's just been the best at what he's done in America for decades and decades. And the guy shows up as a 45-year-old in the marathoner a couple months ago, drops a 212. It's like – then you see him on Instagram, and he's just crushing workouts, doing all these crazy things. Bernard going to make the team. Yeah, he's going to make the team. I, you know what, Mike? I just sold I, myself. Mike, I, I literally showed you my notes. I have Bernard Lagat underlined right here. Like, I mean, the guy's a – he's a two-time world champion. He's a two-time medalist at the Olympics. Like – he he's he's finally moved up to the marathon. He's been training in Kenya like an like an animal. He's got a 212 marathon last year. I mean, I think he has a legitimate shot to surprise a lot of people and upset a lot of runners out there. And I'm pumped for it. Like I'm here for it. Like I can't wait to watch him race on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, if you take out the guys that we've had on the podcast, is there anyone rooting for more than Bernard Lagat? It's, it's hard to think so. But I don't think so. Maybe Desi. But I mean, if he does, like, we got to make a movie about him, like a 45 year old coming out here, you know, washed up track athlete and, uh, you know, putting his heart and soul into a race and in, in down in Atlanta to make the Olympic team. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. It's never too late to move up distances. You know, people start moving up way too young sometimes. It's like, you know, enjoy that milestone when you're young. Enjoy that 5K and 10K a little later. And then when you get to, you know. Your midlife crisis starts doing the marathon, and that's what Bernard's doing. He's going to be fine. He's like the Tom Brady of our sport. I can't wait. He's like the Tom Brady. If Tom Brady was like, eh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try being a kicker now and just switch <laughs> yeah, right. positions. Good point. Good point. Good point. Trent, right, you got an underdog? I, an underdog. I, well, my underdogs, I really just kind of went to the Peak to Early Instagram page. Everybody should check it out and went through all the people that we've had on and tried to figure out, you know, who would be somebody um, that could be in the mix there. And I, and I kind of settled back to someone. It's been a few weeks since we had him on it, and Scott Smith. Mm-hmm, um, Scott, definitely. you know, is the training partner of other Scott, a couple of Scotties there. And so you could see him, you know, thinking, okay, now is my chance um, make or break, like, let, let's go for the top three. That's why I came down here. So is there a chance he tries to go with, with Scott Fable and just see how long he can get pulled along as a way of helping Scott out, you know, helping him get that pacing down? Um, but at the same time, that means he's going to be pulled along and going to be there. You know, when you train with somebody like Scott Fable um, every day, you you can start to believe, like, if he's doing these workouts, you know, I could, I could do it too. And then, you know, maybe they talk about it, and it's like, all right, let's – Let's, he knows Fabo's plan, probably. And if he believes he can stay with him for as long, maybe it's a, a chance where he goes, hangs as long as he possibly can, knowing he'll probably die. But what are the consequences? He doesn't make the Olympic team? Fine, he's not going to make the Olympic team. He doesn't go out with him anyway. So I could see uh, I could see Scott Smith maybe surprising and, and getting another name that's, that's in the mix near the end. Couldn't agree more. I think he's got a very legitimate chance to upset some people and maybe even squeak onto that podium. We'll see. I mean, but... Speaking of friends of the program, like if we're talking underdog stories, we need to talk about Nell Rojas. Like Nell yep. Rojas yep. is like a very, very legitimate underdog that has a chance to upset a lot of people out there. I mean, she ran a 228 in her second marathon ever, and she's a rising star in the sport. I mean, she's a we, – we talked to her. We had her on a few episodes ago, 
and she's a very different runner than most of the athletes you're going to see on the starting line this Saturday. She's a she's a strong runner, and she's going to do very well on those hills. I mean, I, I think Nell Rojas might be one of the best underdog picks in this entire field on the men and women's side. Yeah, I think that's totally. a great one. She she was on my list as well. You guys got any other underdogs that you wanna wanna throw out there? I got uh, a couple more. I like um I like Emma Bates on the woman's side. I think she's it's hard because the woman's side is so there's like ten girls who I think have a chance to make this team, so it's hard to like call any of them underdogs. I feel like there's no clear favorites. I feel like on the men's side there's like a top four that should be in the mix. The women's side there's like a top ten. Um but I like Emma Bates again. I think she's on the younger side. She's her potential is kind of like unknown at this point, and I I could definitely see her being there at the end. Um, yeah, I think that's it. All I got for underdogs. So yeah, I think the, when go ahead, Trent. So with the women's race, with all the people in it, it really just depends on race day and how it goes, right? You know, you don't know how it's going to play out. If there's going to be uh, some surprise strong moves that go out early and and spread it out or if there's just going to be a giant pack that trucks along then you have people that maybe shouldn't be there start believing that they can be there and once you believe it then it happens then it, and it can be true so it's gonna be really interesting the strategy in the women's race especially i think so i think when you're looking at underdogs and potential upsets i think you need to look at the half marathon qualifiers so you got reed fisher with a 101 he ran in houston he's coming on really strong i think he has an opportunity to upset a lot of people out there some surprise some people with his uh with his marathon um but then on the women's side i think uh there was one name that kind of stood out to me a little bit um shannon malone uh so all the other half marathon qualifiers seem to qualify down in houston but she qualified and in pittsburgh at the usatf uh half marathon championship which was back in May. So she's been training. So she qualified there and she's been training specifically for the marathon since then. Um, and she's not just coming off of a race last month. I think there's a potential to see her do pretty well out there. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about Steve, I have two more names too. And these actually aren't guys that I really believe in as underdogs, but I think they're people that a lot of people are talking about as underdogs. So I think it's worth throwing them out there. Do you guys know anything about this Jim Walmsley guy? Oh, like I wanted the, to bring uh, him up. Yeah, he's the ultra marathoner. He's like the best ultra marathoner in America, and he's running his debut marathon at the trial. So everyone's kind of fired up about that. I, I mean, I think I, th- I think he'll do fine, but I don't know. If, I I just don't buy that he'll be a contender. I guess he's doing like 180 mile weeks or something ridiculous. The other guy <laughs> that I think is worth throwing out there is Ritz. I mean, another old guy who's yeah. gonna be there and has done it before. So, I mean. Again, I don't necessarily buy him as an underdog, but he'll be there. Yeah, he'll be there. I mean, he'll he'll <laughs> he'll I mean, he'll always be out there. I mean, I he he's he's has a lot of miles in those legs. I I mean, I love Ritz. I'd love to see him do well. Another guy out of the Hanson Distance Project. Um so I want to see him do well, but you know, we'll, we'll we'll see if he can if he can hold up out there. Um it's crazy that this name hasn't been thrown out there on the on the lock side or the underdog side, um, but we have uh, we have Molly Huddle running out there, and and uh, you know <laughs> I mean she, her her marathon time wasn't the fastest, but it was I, I believe it was her debut marathon, 
Um, and she's one of the one of the greatest female American distance runners of all time. So to not throw her name out there as a potential to make this team, I think we'd be doing our podcast a huge disservice. Yeah, I'm so. glad you brought her up, Steve. Um, can I start us off with the busts? Yes. Oh, please. the busts. Okay. All right, go for it. Because before we get too far away from from Jim Walmsley, I just want to throw his name out. This is the <laughs> ultra marathoner. He was my my bus guy. Uh, the I mean I kind of love the like the balls on him. He doesn't even run a marathon to to qualify. He's like I'm just gonna do the half. I don't need to ever really give this whole 26.2 thing a test drive. I do way more than that all the time. He does have a track background. I was reading, but I just think there's no way that he comes in. He's a fun story. Um, people are excited. Oh, there's no way this guy qualifies in his his first time running 26.2. Um, there's there's difference between moving up and moving down. You know, with uh, you get those speed that young leg speed, then you get a little bit older and you can kind of translate that and just push your miles out. I don't see how this guy, who after years of training for ultra marathons, is going to be able to come down and have the speed. You know, to run as fast as the guys up front are gonna do. So he is my he is my bust, my my lock as a bust. <laughs> <laughs> See, what's awesome about the marathon trials is there's so many people going for three spots, and there's so many possibilities that it's like, who knows what the hell is gonna happen? I've I've never really seen an event quite like this where it's like, we can talk about this all we want. And some people are, like, all in on this Jim Walmsley guy. Some people are all out. But, like, nobody really knows what the hell is going to happen. <laughs> and on that note, I have some kind of wild busts that I think are going to drop some some conversation here. Because I'm going to throw out three names that I have as busts. The first one, it's not a huge bust. I don't think he's going to do terrible. But I think a lot of people are picking him to make the team. And I think he's going to be, like, either first one out or number five or in that so i don't think he's gonna run bad i just don't see him making the team and that's jared ward i think jared ward is a lot of people's lock mm. and i have him not making there it's a bold my prediction s- I, I like that though yep going out on a limb it's it's about to get even more bold because oh. this next guy leonard career 207 has the second fastest time of the entire field and it kind of came out of nowhere uh, earlier this year and I think not only is he gonna not make the top three I have a feeling I just got this feeling in my gut that he is going to run horribly he is gonna be a <laughs> massive bust so Ward is a small bust career massive bust and then my final one another big name the fastest female time yep. on the on the other side of the race Jordan Hassay. yeah she her like last two marathons, I think it was like a DNS and a DNF, and I just have no confidence in her right now. I know that she's because she has the fastest time. I don't know if you would make her the odds-on favorite, but I just I'm not buying it. I I don't know if she's gonna be there, and I think that 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 woman's side is too deep for her to make that team. So those are yeah, my fine. three busts, some pretty big names. I mean, I'm 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 right there with you on the Hase thing. I mean, she I have her down as my biggest bust of the day because uh-huh. she does have the fastest time coming in. Um, but my prediction on the men's side that we'll see, you know, hopefully see a little bit of a of a heel turn from Galen Rupp and that will kind of propel him to the finish. I think that this uh, the Salazar thing is really really messed with with Jordan Hase and and um, 
I think it's going to take her a little while to kind of bounce back from this, you know, just kind of as an athlete mentally. Um, so I don't, I don't know if she's ready to run, especially after her performance in Chicago. Um, so I have her down as a, as a big bust on race day. Guys, she was my bust as well. Oh, which, baby. So you know what that which means. Is a, lock it in, baby. Lock if it you in. Can find, if you can find a bet on this, everybody put all your money on Jordan Hase. We're all in on it, baby. I love it. And We're there's, all against her. you got to be for her. There's nothing personally I have against Jordan. I think, she, again, like Mo, put in a tough spot being in the whole Nike Oregon Project world. However, it really excites me to have someone that we can come together and root <laughs> against. Like we need some, we need some signs or something just booing Jordan Hase. Maybe, maybe it's a little too intense, but it feels good <laughs> to have that that person that you know, like the Yankees of the Olympic Trials and Jordan Hase. I mean, I don't dislike her. I just think she's Damn. gonna have a bad day out there. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's like what we're going for here. There's nothing that we actually don't like about Jordan. It's just part of the fun sports is having somebody to root against. And sure. when you're picking like this, it's like, yes, there's the people I like. And then there's the people I pick on the podcast. And I almost am rooting for the people I pick on the podcast more, or I'm rooting against them more than I am for the people I like. So, <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Okay. Um, that was, I mean, that was a, that was, that was the best preview for the marathon trials you're going to find on the internet. So, right. I mean, I, damn it's, straight. It's, <laughs> um, on that, why don't we kick off the Bell app? Mike, what do you got for people? Listen, my Bell app is as simple as it gets this week. I am so fired up for Atlanta. I was so fired up for the marathon. And I want to see people out there, right? Like, we're going to be down at the, uh, the bar in Atlanta. We're going to be getting rowdy. Let's get some, like, excitement. Let's get some, some fun going behind this. And even if we don't see you out there in Atlanta, like, you got to be following this. Like, it's going to be on national television. It's going to be on NBC. If we can't get excited about this event as distance runners, what can we get excited about? So it's just like, it's my plea to the distance community to to really, you know, lean into this event and not just do it like distance runners. Like, let's get excited about it. Have your boys over this weekend, you know, fill the fridge up with some Miller Lights throw some bets on these guys and just have a good time watching the trials. Cause this is going to be an awesome event. Trent, what do you got for people on the bell app? So earlier in the podcast, we were talking about some of the attire that I might be wearing and not wearing and, and some of my old middle school clothes. And so I, I am literally halfway across the world right now in the middle East. And I look into my suitcase and what do I have? I have this, this Red Sox t-shirt that is Nomar, right? It's a Nomar shirt. <laughs> You guys can see that, which means I got it. I got this at a Red Sox game when Nomar was playing, and I brought this. So this, I was what, 10 maybe when I got this shirt, and here it is with me. So just want to prove my point. I'm not talking BS. I actually wear that. Um, I just want to send out a plea to all of our listeners in the Middle East. I know there's a lot of them. Please <laughs> send me some Miller Lite or something. DM me on Instagram. I mean, there is no damn booze in this entire country. But, I mean, that's just what they say because I know it's on the underground. I've had, you know, some some little birdies tell me if you really want it, you know, you can find it. It's like buying drugs in America. You can find a little moonshine somebody's been making in their closet or whatever. So uh, to all the listeners out there, just just stop by the Hilton. You know, I'll be up. I'll be up. Ask for ask for my room. They'll give it to you. Um, screw it. I'll stay on the podcast. 9:13 at the Hilton and Jetta. Somebody stop over. A little <laughs> bottle of a little bottle of whatever. A little bottle of Miller Lite would taste great right now. I'd appreciate that. 
Oh man, putting yourself out there, Trenzel. <laughs> oh, classic. Um, hey, if you haven't signed up yet, go sign up for the Irish Clover on March 8th in Dragon, Massachusetts. Run the Wild Rover dot com. Can't wait. It's gonna be a ton of fun. Like I am actually, I'm I I cannot wait for that race. It is gonna be so much fun. Um, so we'll see you out there. Other than that, guys, I would have run faster, but I peaked too early. Mike, hit me with the Josie. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I wanna say. You know I like my girls a little bit older. I just wanna use your love tonight. I don't wanna lose your love tonight. or something i don't know if you're speaking into the role in that yeah there you go also while hey. you pause it you guys should hear this is kind of crazy so there's like massive speakers across that, it, uh, and it just blasts the whole city i have my sting shut so i don't think you can hear it but if i open this it's wild you guys hear that yeah Holy it's shit! Like, it is so loud. There's Dude, speakers across, and the whole the whole like city shuts down. So if you're in a shopping area, people like close their doors and they won't serve you food or anything like that for like I don't know 20 minutes. And everybody goes to the mosque. Not everybody, but a lot of people. Where they go to like the sidewalk onto these rugs and just start praying. Dude, it happens I, like five times a day. It's wild. I remember when I when I first touched down in Indonesia, and the first time that happened, I was just like. And we were in a city. I was like, what the fuck is going on? And it, like, it yeah. took me, like, two days to get used to it. I, uh, luckily, like, I don't know. We're in the office buildings that were in during the workday. It doesn't really tend to. People have it on their phones. It's, like, reminders. As soon as you are able, woman, I am weak. Take the break that we are on the brink of My cup is on the table I love is spilling Waiting